We're going to continue in our series, Presence, Presence. And today we're going to talk about presence produces purpose. Presence produces purpose. Amen. If you have your Bible, turn to Isaiah 46. Isaiah chapter 46. And we're going to look at verses 5 to 10. The Bible says, to whom will you liken me? Hmm. To whom will you liken me and make me equal and compare me that we should be alike? They lavish gold out of the bag and weigh silver on the scales. They hire a goldsmith and he makes it a god. They prostrate themselves. Yes, they worship. They bear it on their shoulder. They carry it, set it in place, and it stands from its place. It shall not move. The one cries out to it, yet it cannot answer, nor save him out of his trouble. Remember this and show yourselves, men. Recall to mind, O oh, you transgressors. Remember the former things of old, for I am God. There is no other. I am God. There is none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things that are not yet done saying my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure we want to talk about presence produces purpose here we go presence defined presence of God and that word presence it speaks to the demeanor as we've said so far in this series the countenance the air of a person who is there with you, present, visible. You can see they're tangible. They're, it's, they're, they're concrete in nature. God's presence is his very aura. It's, it's him being there with you. You are there. You are engaged with God. You ever been with someone and it seems like they're somewhere else? I know I have. I've been on both sides of that. But God is there with you. And his presence produces things in your life. There are many of us that lack in life because we simply don't seek the presence of God. We seek so many other things, things we need. We seek healing, finances, deliverance. We seek salvation for others in our family. We seek so many things. And God is saying, listen, if you would seek my presence, it's all there. It's all there. Now, God created all of us for a purpose. God created all of us. There is no one on earth, almost 8 billion people, 7.7 .7 billion people in 2019, and not one of us is a mistake. Not one human being is a mistake. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter your gender, color, height. Uh, it doesn't matter where you were born. It doesn't matter who you worship. You were created for a purpose. A, a person who is in Hinduism was created by God for a purpose. A person who follows Allah, atheist, antagonist, <laughs> was created for a purpose. All of us were created for a purpose. In fact, everything was created for a purpose. In my research, I was looking and I found that there are certain insects that only see certain colors. And we know how beautiful some flowers can be, colors of flowers. 
But do you know that they weren't created just for the beauty? There are certain insects that only see certain colors, and so God created certain colors to draw certain insects to certain flowers. Everything was created for a purpose. Everything was created for a purpose. You are here for a purpose. And I think there are three questions that we all need to answer in life. I think there are three questions that drive everyone in life, whether they realize it or not. I think these three questions drive presidents and queens. I think these three questions drive the homeless person under the bridge. I think these three questions uh, drive the serial killer uh, and, and the robber. I think these three questions drive the prostitutes and the one who can find no purpose in life. These three questions are paramount. They must be asked and they must be answered. The first question is, who am I? Who am I? Now, you might ask me, who are you? And I'll say, Michael. No, that's my name. But who am I? Who am I? We have to answer that question. Who am I? The second question is, why am I here? Why am I here? Why? Why? You know, some, uh, if you believe everything you read, some say that, you know, you came from a monkey. Or some might say that you were once a plant and you uprooted yourself and began to walk. I don't know. Some people believe that. Man was a plant. He uprooted himself and began to walk. <laughs> you know, some believe that you came from an amoeba that turned into a, a water creature, that turned into a fish, that grew legs and began to walk, then turned into a monkey and turned into a man. I don't know. People are looking for... Who am I and why am I here? And then the third question that must be answered, watch this now, what can I do? What can I do? What's in my hands? What can I do? Miles Monroe once said that 90% of people will die and never achieve more than 10% of their true ability because they don't know what they can do. And for me, it is when I explored these three questions that I discovered something that is worse than death. You might say, well, what is worse than death? I believe that the greatest tragedy in life is to live life without a purpose. It's the greatest tragedy in life. There's nothing worse than to live and to die and not know why. I believe this is the frustration of all humans. You see, God created every human to be successful. He created every human to thrive. And he gave you everything that you need to thrive. I've never met anyone who said, I just, I, I like failing. I, I want to fail. Failing feels good. I want to fail every day. Keep it coming. <laughs> But I also discovered that in exploring these three questions that success in life is not luck. Success in life is not chance or happenstance. Success was designed by God in you. Why? Because success is something that God placed deep within you, waiting for it to flourish. 7.7 .7 billion humans 
have a seed of success in them when God created them. You see, where we are now is just the culmination of our choices. Doesn't mean that you're not gifted, you're not talented, that God loves someone better than he loves you. It just means that you chose different things. I don't care where you grew up. I mean, I, listen, listen, I'm the one that could easily say, listen, I grew up on these side of the tracks. I grew up this color. I grew up with that. I didn't have this. I didn't have that. Doesn't matter. There's no respect to a person. You're just a greater overcomer than someone who had a spoon in their mouth. Come on. But God is not a respecter of purpose, of persons. You yourself have the seed of success in you. In fact, God created everything to be successful. You look at a bird when it's born, unless it, 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 there's some tragedy that happens to it, birds fly. They just do it. They just know how to do it. Fish know how to swim. Come on. They're born to do what God created them to do. If you plant a seed and you give it water and it's in good ground, you don't have to pray over it. Lord, please cause this seed to grow. We petition you, O oh God, based on our covenant that you would be on high but look on low to the seed. No, it's already in there. He already did it. All you got to do is plant it. You don't have to pray for it. You don't need God to ask God to do anything with it. It will grow. Everything God created has success built into it. Has success built into it. Now I want to tell you, I only have two points this morning. Somebody ought to be praying. Yeah, and I know that's worth a couple of hallelujahs. <laughs> I didn't tell you how long the points were though, but no. The first one is this. God is concerned about your success. God is concerned about your success is important to God. Now, you might not believe that. You might say, well, that seems to be okay, but I mean, really, how important is it to God? Is it really that important to God? No, I'm here to tell you this morning, it is paramount. It is why he created you. God created you to be successful. Come on. He created you to be successful. Success is important to every manufacturer that creates a product. You might not look at yourself as a product, but God created you. Think about this. Before the company ships the product to you, they test it all out to make sure that it will work in every condition that it's supposed to work in. Some of you have a little phone or a little iPad that has a little emblem on it. That's an apple. You know, that apple represents the company. That apple is the image of the creator that made it. And that creator, that manufacturer is concerned about that image. Anything that has that image on it, that creator is concerned about it. Come on. You ever notice that when you open up a product, usually the first thing that you see is the manual. Before you even see the product, you see the little manual. And the manual says, read me completely before operating. Come on, how many read the manual completely? I'm not going to ask you, don't, don't, because I don't want you to tell any stories in here. Come on. Read me completely before operating. See, a lot of times things malfunction and things don't work right because we don't know the mind of the manufacturer. 
If you look up the word manual, it will translate to working with the mind, the mind of the manufacturer. And we don't know the mind of the one that created it. And so when it malfunctions, why is it malfunctioning? That person's iPad is working. That person's car is working. That, that person, yours is malfunctioning because you didn't take time to understand the mind of the manufacturer. Come on, somebody. And if we don't read it completely, we will never get it. I mean, this manual, this manual, this is a book of, of number one promises. You open it up and it begins to tell you all the things that this thing will do. I mean, if you turn it on like this, it'll do that. It even does this. And there's some things you didn't even realize that it does. It'll do this and it'll do that. It gives you a bunch of promises. It'll perform in the way that it was designed to perform. But then you read a little further in the manual and you'll see some laws in there. Some do's and don'ts. Do not operate near water. Do not operate near electricity. Do not attempt to fix it yourself if something is broken. Do not use while driving. And so we see all of these rules, regulations, and laws about the product. And then you read a little further and you'll see a guarantee. We guarantee that if you use this product as designed, it will do exactly what it was designed to do. And if not, there's a warranty. All the way in the back, there's a warranty. If the product is defective, do not attempt to fix yourself. I said, if the product is defective, do not attempt to fix yourself. If you break this seal, you have voided the warranty. You know what it tells you to do? It tells you to go either to the manufacturer or to an authorized dealer of this product. See, the problem with us is there's a lot of dealers, but not all of them are authorized. Come on. Like Buddha. Oh, can I just say it this morning? Oh, come on. Like Muhammad. Like the Baha'i faith. Like the Pope. Don't jump on me. I'm just... The only authorized dealers in the world are the ones that the manufacturer sanctions. If the manufacturer didn't sanction the dealer, the dealer's not authorized. Like Jesus Christ, the only sanctioned authorized dealer to salvation. Because he said, I am the way, not a way. I am the life, not a life. I am the truth, not a truth. The only way to the Father is by me. And if you try to come a different way, you're a thief and a robber. Only authorized dealer. And the manufacturer says, watch this now. The manufacturer says, listen, if it's defective, this is interesting to me. The manufacturer says, if the product is defective, here's what we'll do. Give us a call. We will ship you a box at our expense. We'll give you a return authorization number at our expense. And we'll send you postage at our expense. And you ship it back to us at our expense. And we'll fix it or replace it at our expense. And then we'll ship it back to you at our expense. That sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Sounds like, wow, they, they, really, they really like me. Here's the kicker. They don't even know you. They don't know your name. They don't know you. You think the manufacturer's concerned about you? You want to know what the manufacturer's concerned about? That shield. That's right, their reputation. 
They're concerned that the thing that they made is not successful. Come on now. I just want that to sink in for a moment. The manufacturer of the product is concerned about the Apple or the GM or the Plus or whatever, the, whatever it is that's on their product. They're concerned because they guaranteed it would work. And so the success of the product is important to the manufacturer. Let me give you the name in the Bible for God's reputation. There's God's reputation, he, he mentions it all through the Bible. Let me give you the name he uses, namesake. Namesake. For my namesake. That's why there's times when God says, listen, though you are stiff-necked, though you have not obeyed me, though I would just like to kill you, I will not do it. Why? For my, for my namesake. Why do you think God wants you to be successful? I'll tell you why your, your success is important to God. It's because your success is his success. Your success protects his namesake. His namesake. It's all about him, not about us. Come on. It's about his namesake. His reputation. Understand this. Success for the manufacturer is more important than success is for you. You realize that this morning? It is more important to God that you be successful in life than it is to you. Because he made you. See, the first thing that he did when you gave your life to the Lord, he said, let us go down and make man, human, in our image. He gave you his image. And because you have his image, you can't help but be successful. You got to try to not be successful. If you're not successful this morning, look, I, listen, I always tell you, I'm looking in the mirror, so I'm not judging you, but I'm just going to tell you the truth. If you're not successful this morning, it's because of decisions you made, because God created you to be successful. He created you and I to be successful. We are where we are because of decisions that we made. And that shouldn't condemn you this morning, but it should convict you. It should, it should get you to say, wait a minute, hold on a second. Hold on a second. God put some success in me. I can turn this thing around. I don't care how old I am. I don't care how young I am. I can turn this thing around. All I got to do is open up the book and, and, and look at the laws. Do this. Don't do that. You see, we, uh, it's, it's amazing to me how we'll look at a product and it says, don't operate near, uh, near water. And we won't even question that. Well, you don't want to plug that into the wall and operate it near water because the book said don't do it. But when God says, don't fornicate, well, I mean, I don't know if he really means he don't understand my situation. See, we think that we think that God is telling us all these things because he wants to lord over us and rule us. He's telling you all these things for your good. For your good so that you'll be successful for his name's sake. That's why David can say, I delight in your laws. I delight in your laws because they're for my good. And for me to be successful, his namesake, God made you in his image and your failure damages his image. So God doesn't want you to fail. He wants you to succeed. Why? Because his reputation is on the line. Over in Isaiah 48 verse 9 it says, for my name's sake I will defer my anger. And for my praise, I will restrain it from you. 
so that I do not cut you off. Behold, I have refined you as silver. I have tested you. Remember I said that the manufacturer tests the product before he puts it out there. I have tested you in the furnace of affliction for my own sake. For my own sake, I will do it. I will do it. For how should my name be profaned? And I will not give my glory to another. So the next time you think, I don't know why God would do this for little old me, stop with the false humility. Come on. Talking to myself. Stop with the false humility. Because it's for his name's sake that he will do it. And on top of that, God, we haven't even got to love and grace. I'm just, I'm just scratching the surface with his. That ought to get you to say hallelujah and shout right there. I'm just getting to the surface. I mean, if we went, we don't have time this morning. If we went deep into the grace and the love of God, oh my God, that's even so much more. But just for his name's sake, he wants you to be successful. Successful, so stop settling. I mean, listen, you, knowing this, knowing this now, that it's for his name's sake, we should be assured in ourselves that if God told you to do something, you are equipped to do it. If he told you to be a doctor, you can do it. If he told you to be a politician, you have everything you need to do it. If he told you to start a business, you have everything you need to be successful in that business. If he told you to go to college, stop worrying about the tuition because he gave you everything you need to get through it. If he told you to go into the ministry, he gave you everything that you need to be successful in that ministry. No matter what he told you, come on, he's already given you what it takes to be successful in that thing. Come on. Look at your neighbor and tell him, I got to be successful for God's name's sake. Look at him again and tell him, I can't fail for his name's sake. Come on. That's why you have to understand that. Listen, my mother used to, <laughs> my mother used to have a saying. She used to say, don't write a check that you're behind can't cash. That was her saying. That was her saying. And you know what? Some of you might not understand what that means, but I understood it. I understood it at a young age. <laughs> I understood it at a young age. She used to say that. But once you know that God has planted the seed of success in you, you start making announcements that you can't pay for. You start making announcements that you yourself can't pay for. Because God told you, I'm going to do it for my name's sake. I'm going to do it. You either believe me or you don't. Come on. You start saying out loud some things that God told you, and you know you can't do it. You know for a fact, I cannot do this in myself. But for God's name's sake, because he said it, I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. Now the pressure's on God. It ain't on me. It's on him. So you got to understand your success is important to God. And number two, you are equipped to thrive. You have it all in you. You have it all in you. M many of you know Proverbs 18, 16. It says, listen to it in the NIV. It says a gift opens the way. You know a gift, your gift will make room for you. It says your gift, watch it. A gift opens the way and ushers the giver into the presence of the great. I want to say that again. A gift opens the way. And it ushers the giver into the presence of the great. When you discover the laws of God, 
you don't need to beg God to succeed. Now, if you come out on Wednesday night, you'll know that we have to pray. You'll know that we ought to pray without ceasing. But when you discover the laws of God, you begin to pray a little differently. Because when God says, come boldly to the throne and start talking to me, come on. Now you're not coming before him, begging him for things he's already given you. You just begin to understand what he's given you and act on that. You begin to speak his word. At one place he says, remind me of my promises. You think he forgot his promises? No. He wants to know if you re realize them. Come on, what did I say now? You think, you, most, a lot of times we say, why did God say that? Does he forget that? No, you know how your mom said, what did I tell you to do? She ain't forgot. She realizing you forgot. Come on. God said, remind me. Remind me of my promises. Talk, talk to me. Talk the word to me. Because my, don't talk your word. Speak my word. Because my word doesn't return to me void. Come on, my word accomplishes what it sets out to do. So speak my word back to me. I've given you everything you need to succeed. Come on. You know, when you, when you buy, here's, here's what happens. I was thinking about this. We, but we question God. We question him. Well, it, you know, is God, is, is that really the, the way it should be? Uh, one man with one woman, you know, or, or whatever it might be that, that we kind of question God and we raise all these questions. Is that the way it really should be? And it's amazing to me how we question the manufacturer on all these things when it comes to God. But we won't do it when it comes to other products. I mean, think about this. When you buy a car, the manufacturer said, put gas in the car. Now, you might like apple juice. I mean, I like apple juice. You might like grapefruit juice. You might like Powerade. But I guarantee you this, if you put Powerade in your car, what's going to happen? Huh? You don't question that manufacturer. You don't tell him, I know better than you. Why? Because he or she made the thing. What do you think is different with you? Why do we question God with us when he tells us his laws? Do this, don't do this. We look at, we look at commandment. Oh, it's a commandment. No, it's just the way God thinks. Because he already knows how he made you. Come on, he already knows what's best for you. He knows what will harm you. Why do we hesitate to follow him in that way? Psalm 119.47 is where he said it. I will delight myself in your commandments, which I love. David said, I love your commandments. But, but we don't want to do it. You put a seed on the ground right here. You can leave it there for 50 years. It ain't going to grow. You want to know why? Because you're not obeying the, the, the laws of the seed. You're not obeying the laws of the seed. That thing must be planted. Come on. It's got to die. That's why so many people are broke, sick, and depressed. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not condemning you. I mean, I'm talking to all of us, including me. Been there, done that. Because we don't follow the laws of the Lord. Now, when we first read Isaiah, the last part of that passage we read, it said, God knows the end from the beginning. Do you realize that God starts at the end? God starts at the end. In fact, let me, Brother James, if you do me a favor, would you come up? Let me just use you as an example, if it's all right, my good brother. Yes, yes, sir. You just stand right over here. You just stand right over here. This is Brother James. Good looking man, isn't he? Yep, gray hair now. It's all right. He's not ashamed of it. <laughs> all right, good looking man. So here's what happens. Now, you, you look at, everybody looks at Elder James Carter. 
Say he's an accomplished man, beautiful wife, beautiful boys, beautiful family, got his finances all together, whatever it might be, great car, you know, great house, uh, loves the Lord, loves people, all of that. Here's what God does. God comes down here and does all of this, and you see this, but then God backs all the way up here. He already been there and done that. But now this is what you see. God's starting right here. Now God starts here and works his way toward that. But see, since we see here, we can't see that yet. We don't know what the end shall be. So we want to question God. But God is saying, trust me, because I've already been all the way over here. And this is already what it is. You just don't know it yet. Thank you, Brother James. Thank you. You just don't know what I've already made. But if you would simply follow my laws, we'll get there together. Let's go on a journey together to get there to the end. Come on, somebody. He know, that's what it means when God, when God said, I know the end from the beginning. Because I've already been to the end. Now, if that don't make you trust God, I don't know what would make you trust him. I don't know what would make you trust him. We've got to believe this morning that God has given us everything that we need to, to succeed in life.